Every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Welcome to the Blunderground Railroad. My name is Tom, and with my wingman, Steve. Hey, how you doing, everybody? We are in a Christian mind. Uh, this is a book by Henry Blumeyers, and we are in part number two uh, of the book and also part number two of chapter number three. Indeed. Chapter number three is about the Christian's conception of truth, and it is one way that a Christian mind can be um, distinguished from a secular mind. And in our last episode... We looked at the failure to recognize the fundamental difference uh, between uh, the truth of a secular and the truth of the church. Uh, and so we've, uh, been, we've been talking about how Christians are often uh, duped or seduced into defending their faith within the context of, sexual, of secularism. Mm. Uh, and so, that, uh, so there's always this presupposition that the Christian faith is alterable. Uh, that, uh, that, uh, for example, that it exists at, on, on a spectrum, uh, such as, um, you know, that a secular individual will look at uh, will look at uh, Christianity as a means to an end, uh, whether that be personal morality. Yeah, yeah, they just look at it as some good moral code, you know. And yeah, this chapter is kind of talking about how we like, they they think like we wrote it or something, or like it's alterable in some way. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, the church's attempts to, when they want, you know, because there's always attempts for the church to, uh, you know, stay with the times or to modernize. Right. And the the issue with that is that it's, whenever the church tries to do that, it always ends up kind of coming off as kind of a humanistic ethical society. Well, right. I'll, like it, it, it never ends up being like the truth is the truth, and then we've deviated from the truth, and now we need to go back to the truth. It's usually, well, humans have progressed to a certain point, and now they're in trouble, and now we need to meet them where they're at, and we need to get them, you know, get them to right the ship. Well, I'll go back to one of the terms that you hate the most, right? Is you know, uh, generalizing. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no, I think you need to generalize in order well, to make a point. Honestly. Okay. Okay. Well, so if um. If if we generalize and we say that you know usually the church does this and usually the church does that, I think it sort of implicitly leaves out um, some examples which are okay. I think in the Bible we find that the Apostle Paul doesn't say explicitly this or explicitly that most of the time. Right. He he warns that it's dangerous to do this or that. That it could lead to this or that. Yeah, that's true. Right. So the liberty is expressed to do certain things. Yeah. But we do have to be careful where we cross those lines. There are hard limits. You know, we can converse with secular people, but to do that with the Christian mind is to know that there are certain unmovable principles. 
Yeah, that's right. You know, it's it, it's not like you know, sometimes I think that because there's so many different uh, you know denominations and there are differences in terms of of sacrament and in terms of sometimes beliefs. Sure. That uh, between them, that people look at Christianity from the outside and they think that Christians like like they have a list they pick and choose from, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah, the, which would make us no different in the world, r- right? Exactly, right. And, yeah. and so, if if you go in with that presupposition, you're like, well, you know, they're going through and they have thirty things, they have to pick twenty twenty two out of thirty, you know. Then, I guess in that way, it would be a moralistic kind of a, a, a society. Well, isn't it great that we're saved by grace through faith? Yeah, amen. That's right. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And so. Christians don't choose the doctrines. The doctrines are what they are. And and that's an interesting point that Blumeyers makes, which is that because he does make a distinction upon claiming doctrine and defending it. Yep. Right? And, and it's interesting. He, he actually calls Christians kind of not to defend the doctrine, he, he, at least in terms of, of engaging a secular mind. He basically says, don't bother. You know, like, like don't bother explaining something to a secular person. Yep. Because like when you explain something to them, what you're doing is you're working on their terms. And you're saying, well, let me tell you in language that you can understand and conceptualize why this is a good thing for you. And honestly, because it's very interesting, Bill Myers has the same, uh, he has the same logic that he uses with two different arguments. Because he's talking about the church, uh, the church being... Um, only one of many religions, and it's kind of the best that we could do. Yeah, I like how right? you put that. Yeah, yeah, and he it's like the best choice of the monotheistic. You right. know, yeah, he's like, well, there's like this market of monotheistic religions, <laughs> yeah. and kind of like the Walmart of them all is like yeah. Christianity. Yeah. And as soon as we can get rid of it, we can just do another one. And that one will be even better than the last one. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is the best brand we got right now, so buy this one. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So he, he kind of, uh, so he, he has that, but then he also contrasts that with explaining to. Uh, with explaining to the the secular person, this is why you should believe this doctrine, or this is why what God says is a good thing. And so it basically shows the church as kind of this... So it kind of shows the church as this... uh, uh, as this entity that's just trying to make people's lives better. And Blumeyers makes the point that if the church is simply... If the church is simply a product of a monotheistic uh, marketplace, then we should just get rid of it, right? Because because it, it's only worth it if it's the truth. Yeah, he, he calls it essentially to secular people, it looks like welfare. Yeah, that right. <laughs> to use that word. Right, to use that word, right. It looks like welfare. But, yeah. And see, so if if that's all that it is, then, um, then we should get rid of it. And the reason why is because there are easier ways to get people to behave in a certain way, to, like morally. Like yeah. if you want to get people to, to, to act in a moral way, you know, trying to trick them with religion is actually a lot harder than simply being an authoritarian. Yeah, right? trick, trick them with money. Right or yeah, you turn can, it into a yeah. social government. I guess that's true. Government. You could make it a socialistic government. <laughs> you could try to you could try to uh, fix. You could try to trick people with money, or you could become an authoritarian government and, and you could try to force it from the point of a gun. Right. But both of those ways would actually be easier than trying to convince people uh, into something like that. And this and he the same is very similar to, with this other argument. Whereas when a Christian is talking to someone who uh, is operating on a secular mind, you're trying to use those sexual, fr- uh, excuse me, those uh, secular frameworks yeah. uh, to, uh, you're trying to use that to, uh, uh, to, uh, 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 to get them to see the doctrine. 
And what happens is there are just better ways. You know, the, the, the secular person wants to be polite, but they know that, you know, coming to religion isn't just going to be the easiest fix to their problems. They have some sort of other easier fix. Yeah. He you know, said something. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. He said something awesome here. Yeah. And so I choose different, like, colors. I'm weird. Like, when I, when I take my notes. Sure. And I put this one in, in green, which is what I put my important notes in. Yeah. He said... Green light, green light. He's, so he's talking about when you talk to a secular person, and this is the quote that he says, you find it difficult? So do I. You find it awkward? So do I. Right. You find it unattractive? That's exactly how I often find myself. Yeah. Especially around about 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning. You think that it's a thundering nuisance? In a way, I quite agree with you. Mm. It is a nuisance at times, especially in Lent. But it's true, you know. Now, I do have two things about that, okay? I, I understand this wasn't written by um, a Baptist, okay? Not that mm. I'm advocating for them, but I, I get where he's coming from. Sure. So when he says 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning, I kind of eh, roll my eyes at that. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I guess if you're getting up going to church, you got to be up at 7 o'clock anyway. But he's talking about Mass. I know what he's speaking of there. Yep. And then when he says Lent, okay? Mm-hmm. If, if you make an argument to a secular person, and I know we, we like to talk about theories here, but I'm going to go right back to practice, and I'm not even going to be apologetic about this. Mm. If you tell somebody about Lent, Lent is the 40 days prior to Easter where a Christian gives up something. Mm. There is zero requirement for that in the Bible, none whatsoever. He has absolutely no biblical basis for saying that. And if I tell that to a secular person, I'm going to turn them off from religion. So if you're witnessing to somebody, if you're out there and listening to me, don't tell them that. However, I, I find myself very often coming alongside people and saying something along the lines of, leaving those two things out, the exact same thing that he said right there. And it's to tell people, like, look, I'm not living some easy life here. I'm not claiming that, you know, being a Christian and following Christ is just so easy. You know, come alongside them. That would be love, charity from the Bible. And explain to them, look, this is this is difficult for me sometimes to understand. And he ends it with, but it's true, you know, because it is. I, I've told people before that, hey, look, man, when I first became saved, the Bible was a a book of inconveniences to me. I found out when I'm 21, I don't own myself. So I I love the statement he makes there with witnessing, except for those two things. I think it's a great way to come alongside the secular person and to try to win them back. I know that he said, as you said, um, you know, not to really, in, not to engage them on a secular ground whatsoever. I think he made a pretty stark contrast. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think he pretty much said, like, just state your doctrine and then that's it. <laughs> like. Well, I think it's, it, yeah, it's, it's interesting. He has a, some, in the book he says, you know, the goal of Christianity is not to accommodate the harsh demands of life. Okay. And, and so I think that's kind of where his frame is, is basically is a lot of times cr- people will say, well, why don't you come to church? If you come to church, you'll feel a lot better. Right. Yeah. Well, that's actually not a great reason to go to church. Here's, okay. Here's right. Ten twenty five. That's not. Yeah. It's not that we're saying that feeling better is is bad. It's not. And and it's not saying that church won't make you feel good. It will. But absolutely, it's not the great reason to come to church because well, you feel bad, and now we you need to feel better, so you should go to church. Amen. Right? Wrong reason. N- not a great reason. So a good reason is to find is to find God and to find the truth. Amen. Uh. So, but a lot of times, and that I think it's interesting that Myers does point out that is a. That is a secular framework where, sure is. where we're basically saying, hey, you know that religion that won out in the uh, monotheistic uh, 
uh, marketplace, right? That one, that one can solve ninety five percent of all. You know, ninety five percent of all dirt on your floor will come off when you use this particular mop. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? And so, you know, this gets is piques people's interest. Sure, yeah. You know, and and people, he says. People defend the right religion for the wrong reasons. Oh man, highlighted that too. Right, yep. man. Yeah, to highlight sure that. Sure do. You know, it's, it's funny because we we've been talking about like the boy crisis and things of like that. You know, like uh, in our other podcast, the uh, a lot of times people will do this with marriage relationships. People will say, "Well, you know, it's a good thing you want to be married," and and they'll use they'll come in and they'll they'll say they'll they'll use biblical arguments to talk about uh, and and they'll they'll mix them together with secular arguments uh, I know. like you I know. can like you can mix them together you know like uh um you know like Kool-Aid powder and water yeah, you know just you some just water you down swirl Jesus. them together and it creates uh, and it creates like strawberry kiwi and it's delicious you know no not really actually like, how great are thy theories wasn't that earlier? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right <laughs> remember book? how great are thy works right yeah. this is not great how great are thy theories <laughs> yes and so uh you know and Bill Myers is saying here Yes, right. How great about that theories? You, Bill Myers is saying here, you stand on the doctrine because it's true, and if people don't like it, well, then they reject the doctrine. But that doesn't make it any less true. Or hey, not. you want to you want a hard example of this? How about when Jesus said to said to uh, his disciples, "Follow me." Well, what about uh, you know? I got to bury my father. Yeah, let the dead bury their dead. Right. All right. Meaning, let the dead bury their dead. And I, you know, oh, this is this is why I love studying the Bible and not reading the Bible, mm. because let the dead bury their dead. How can dead people bury their dead? You actually have to stop and think about that. Mm. That's the people that are spiritually dead, mm. the people that don't believe, mm. burying the actual dead as we think. Yep. So yeah, Christianity can be rough. Take it up with Jesus, not me. <laughs> right, right. That's right. See, it's not always nice, not always li- not always likable, but we cling to it. Amen. Amen. The um, so the the first goal of any Christian should be really to just should be just to shake the foundation. You want to kind of just shake the table a little bit on the secularist. And I want to ask you about that because sure. I'm I'm in that exact same part. Yep. Until the foundations of hedonistic secularist individualism have been have been at least shaken like you just said yep it is doubtful whether anything useful can be said okay that's some right. pretty high language so break that down so effectively what he's saying here is is and this is a little bit of what we do here uh, in our podcast uh, here on the, the Blunderground railroad and also uh, in our look at uh, Twitter and social media uh, notes from Blunderground we we really look at the unspoken assumptions and the presuppositions that people have. Uh, a good example is the podcast we're going to be doing very, uh, very soon. Uh, we've been looking at Richard Reeves and uh, and his uh, uh, and his book uh, of Boys and Men, and just looking over that, uh, it's very interesting to see. I can see this a lot in Reeves himself. He's a smart guy, and uh, he's very sincere. and And I don't think he's a bad guy, but you know he. He he moves forward with a lot of different. He moves forward with a lot of presuppositions that he doesn't really question, and he he's unwilling and he puts himself into an environment where he's never cha- where he's not challenged. So, for example, uh, when I, we say shake the table, what we mean is you have to get leftist. You are leftist. Excuse me. You have to get secularist or sometimes leftist, and uh, sometimes rightist too. But you have to get the people on the secular to see. The results of the, you have to take them all the way to the end of their own logical conclusions, 
All right. So, for example, so uh, like Reeves, for example, is a man who has pretty much given up on marriage. And so I, I did I didn't really understand him necessarily. So I did a little research and he's pretty much given up on marriage. I think personally he's pro marriage, but he doesn't when he looks at society, he just doesn't see it being able to be saved. So for him, like finding a solution within the marriage relationship is pretty much uh, it's, a, it's a misnomer. It's not going to happen. So he pretty much just skips that entire process because he doesn't really believe in it. Um, he does personally, but he doesn't think that it's salvageable. And the reason he doesn't think it's salvageable is because the presuppositions that make a marriage relationship stable for him are, are, are antiquated. And so they are not, those are not worthy of being saved. So those are not, so uh, for example, there are certain societal trade-offs that he himself is unwilling to make. And so what happens is no one's willing to come along and say, well, let's take a look at, at specifically those, those trade-offs that you're not willing to do. And if you're not willing to do those trade-offs, then let's look at the number of things that will eventually erode and disappear from our society. Let's look at what happens. And so how can you say that two plus two equals a good thing? How how can you say that five plus five equals an odd number, right? It, it doesn't like it. It equals an even number. Okay, so you have to you have to really you have to really point to people's presuppositions, and you have to challenge those pre, the, the the conclusions that they make. And this isn't necessary. This is not introducing Christianity. All right, to the discussion. This is getting people to. This is getting people out of the paradigm, right? It's kind of like um, uh, it's kind of like when you uh. Uh, if, if you some, for example, uh, you know, if someone watches CNN all the time and then you show them 30 minutes of Fox News, they think everyone on Fox is a bona fide Nazi. And then if someone watches Fox News all the time and then they, you show them the 30 minutes of CNN, they say, oh, all these people are, are, are crazy communists and they're going to they're gonna kill us all. Right. Yeah. So, well, I don't think people on Fox are Nazis and I don't think that people on CNN are communist, but they do have they do have succinct ideological differences. But when you when you don't you don't expose yourself to that. OK, so as a Christian, you are using the truth to expose a secularist to something that they're not used to being exposed to. Yeah, well, you know, like it's like in into re- a corner. It's yeah, they don't it, like that. Well, they don't like that. It's like, but it's also like in Reese's book, and and it's interesting. It's funny because in our cultural, uh, in our cultural discussions in the culture war uh, currently, it is, I, I, it, boy, once you see it, it's hard not to see it. They never want to talk about God as being an objective truth. They always want to talk about Christianity as being a personal lifestyle choice, and the reason why is because they have to. Okay, it's the only way you can keep the country together. I mean, I, I always tell people, like, these people are not dumb, all right? They're not stupid. They, they know that as soon as you say, here's the God side, and God says this about it, and here's everyone else, and everyone else thinks that that's phony baloney, then we're done, all right? There's no, there's nothing more to do. Like, there's nothing more to say. We're done. Bye. Gone. We're God just, said his word would divide us. Yeah, see, you're over there, and we're over here. And so people don't want that, right? And so employers don't want that. Governments don't want that. They don't want to have the employment base, the tax base, um, foreign affairs, foreign influence we don't want to, all that goes away so they want to keep people together so the way to keep people together is you're either going to you're either going to strengthen it or you're going to deconstruct it and yeah. so what they're doing is they actively deconstruct it into a personal lifestyle choice and bill myers says look at the christians who say that they're that they're committed they, right, and they are committed but what they do is they act out in the frame that the secular has set for them and what a Christian mind is about turning it around yeah. and going to the secular and saying, no, we're going to have a Christian frame 
and we're going to have and this is going to be our frame and we are going to uh, we're going to shake their foundations with our beliefs rather than living within their frame so that we can get along. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, like I was saying, uh, you know, God said his word would be dividing and it's almost like uh, the author's making a pretty strong case for coming out and being extremely bold for Christ. And he makes the assumption, though, <clears throat> I think he lends towards the idea mm. that if we do that, that's somehow going to change their thinking. I think it's going to do exactly what you're alluding to, which is it's the country's going to be divided. Yeah. I mean, starkly divided. But he's he's saying that, because you said that it's not that these people who have been drawn into the secular argument uh, and sort of compromised um, the argument, so to speak. It's not that they don't believe. It's that they've been subconsciously drawn into that through secularism, through society. Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit of it is. And a lot of it is because we put a lot of faith into our leaders. We put a lot of faith into those that are over us. Man, so much. I mean, yeah, we really do. And so what ends up happening is we a lot of time, and this is really, I think, the grand, this is where things are going. Uh, and, and it's, I so it is hard. In 2022, this was written in 1961. Yeah. You can go through, okay, so, um, you know, you have, People have been sounding the alarm on this a long time. I, mean, really. I was just thinking the same thing. This yeah. was, this was an alarm that everybody right. ignored. Apparently, and, exactly. How many and, people turned Trump into an idol, professing Christians? Yeah, and I didn't mean, even realize it. Right, right. I mean, quite a few. You had, um, I think it was. Uh, I mean, Schlossberg took like four or five years of his life to write his treatise on it because he thought it was that important. Um, you have uh, McIntyre, I think is uh, 1982. I think it's After Virtue. We probably will read that one too. If you want us to move that up, you can you can re- you can reach out to us. But um, you have like uh, but for, I think so. Uh, I think After Virtue was in 1982. But so it's great. And so in After Virtue, uh, McIntyre he he makes a comparison to the Romans because the Romans were overrun by the barbarians, right? And the barbarians were coming in. So what the Romans did was th- the Romans went. Everything had to become local. All right, because they couldn't fight the barbarians, and so they couldn't. And the barbarians were going to rule. So, right. and, and and much in our own society, we pretty much we've lost in a lot of ways. Okay, so like a lot of times, people can save themselves a lot of trouble by stopping the fight. All right, it's over. All right, we lost. Yeah, like you know, waving it's, the white flag. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It's funny. I was yeah, waving the white flag. It's actually funny. I was on um uh yeah maybe a, maybe it'll be in my Twitter feed. I'm not sure uh, uh in time, but the uh. Uh, I, I saw it earlier, and there was um I forget who said it, but it's such you know it, it, it here's the thing, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. You know, people say, hey, is that true? It doesn't matter. What matters is that they think it's true. Okay, so if enough people think it's true, it's a problem, and we got to talk about it. Have and we not it out. seen that? Right. And so, anyhow, I saw this on Twitter, and they were saying, as far as uh, Trump is concerned, they said. Trump is going to win the primaries because that's what the leftists want. So you can run DeSantis or you can run Mr. Rogers. You can run whoever you want to. Okay, it doesn't matter. Trump's going to win. I was thinking and then, that. And then when Trump <laughs> and then when Trump is the nominee, right? Then we're going to lose. Yeah, then don't worry about it. Him. Yeah, because you're going to have like a week's worth of mail-in voting, and like he's going to lose. It's never going to happen, right? Like it doesn't matter what you do. Like he's going to win the primaries. That's our. We already know. Like you can run Mr. Rogers. That's fine. It ain't going to make no difference. And then he's going to get up there and. He's He's going to lose. So, I mean, it's just all, it's already figured out. And so the guy said, so the guy's talking about this, right? And so, 
what kind of reaction do you have as far as that goes? Well, you know, and, and what the Romans did when the barbarians came, they couldn't they couldn't outmuscle the barbarians, and they weren't gonna like they weren't gonna out debate them. I mean, they're barbarians; they're barely, you know they could barely speak. Right? Yeah, let's let's debate. So yeah, so there, there was not, none of the traditional things mm-hmm. were gonna work. So what happened in Rome was it really got down to the community level because the one thing that the barbarians right if you're a barbarian you want to get down to the community level. I mean that you gotta you gotta get down you gotta admit, you gotta you gotta take the wife you gotta build the family then you gotta deal with the in laws. I mean it's a lot of trouble. I mean right I mean like let's face it I mean you got a lot of stuff to do right so the barbarians are not interested in this like they don't want to have to worry about like you know what the mother-in-law likes for Thanksgiving dinner they just want to like wave their sword and get it done right so the barbarians were not overly interested in community life but the people who were involved in community life they set the they said we are going to work within the small communities so that when the barbarians eventually go away you know whenever that happens you know then in the communities we're still going to have that genesis of what we had it's not going to go away yeah they're like me sword me rule me caveman <laughs> right 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 me <laughs> you're not, yeah you're right. not talking to them me sword you yeah you do what i tell you to do okay fine just stay out of our village and yeah. we're just gonna you know but the, the, a lot of people say hey we need to form these strong families these strong communities we need to we need to establish the gospel in local communities in local school boards in local towns because if you're fighting on a national level like you've already lost like that 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 ship has sailed yeah i mean the only way we can fight on a national level and this is something i advocate for man so much and even in my own podcast this is something else i highlighted out of here mm. you know the author says it is dangerous to suggest that arrival at God's truth can be attained only after years of study, needing right. a trained academic mind. God is not so unloving, so unjust, as to have weighted faith in favor of the intellectuals. So while we come alongside these people and we acknowledge to them, look, this is right. going to be different for you. We understand that this is hard to swallow, and hey, it is for us too, Mm. being sympathetic or being loving. Okay, we also need to remind them that, look, you know, I'm just a person. I'm not some guy with a PhD. And and that's what the the Catholic Church does that. So the Church is really guilty of spreading these these falsehoods and, and helping, really, the secularists to go, you know what, there are different brands of faith out there, and because if you look at something as a secularist, right, you're going to look at, this is just human nature, I think, actually, you're going to try to find the easy way out. And Christianity looks hard, no thank you. You're automatically not going to want to do it. Why? Because we've made it seem like you got to do something. If you're a secularist, you have no idea what it takes to even be a pastor. You don't know what the Bible says about it. There was no Bible college in the Bible, but even now, if you attend even the most conservative church, they'll they'll tell you if you ever try to get to some place of leadership that, you know, there's all these steps and rules and regulations to get there, and that's within the church, and that's believers who are being told that. How much harder is it going to be to reach a secularist? Yeah. We have some reforms we have got to make as Christians, man. Well, there's a lot of—it's it's interesting that you say that. There, there's a lot of, like— what you, you you were saying before about how you don't need to have like this trained academic mind. No, you know, so that Christianity is so simple and straightforward. Amen. Authority comes from God. The quality of of virtue is found in the Bible. Yep. Right. 
and uh, and everything is is everything is 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 straightforward. It's not our standard; it's theirs. Right. I mean, that's the essence of this chapter, or, well, or, or not or not our standard. Theirs. It's his. Well, it's interesting because he talks about he talks about diversity, and and then later on he he makes a more succinct statement. But I love it because he always talks about diversity of opinion, right? How in this, uh, to the secular person, the more the more to the secular person, the more diverse the opinion, the closer you are to the truth. We see this in uh, intersectional power dynamics uh, here in our modern age. You know, we want to make sure that all ethnic groups have an equal say. All right. We yep. want to make sure that we want to make sure that all sexual orientations are represented. Yeah, and why? Because it sounds good to the world. Well, you know, it's a fundamental belief to the secular that if you have a if you have a monolithic view of 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 the truth, then you that is a power dynamic where one subset group has power over another subset group. <laughs> yeah, no, I just had this this debate. I was going to say argument, but it was with it was with my wife, so I'll mm. call it a debate. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> for my safety's sake. So, but I just had this debate with my wife. I sure. was like, we need to drop these worldly arguments and just earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered. If something is once delivered to you means I told you something one time, you can never change that. You can't go back and say I said something else. But instead, you're like you said, man, like watered down Kool-Aid, you know, this in order to to go back to that, like something that sounds good even to me as a Christian, because I've I've grown up in a in this world we yeah, live in. Right. You know, I've I've come to think like, nah, like that that'd be a good thing. But the Christian mind yeah. needs to go, what does God think about it? Yeah. He always said I love there's a part in the book where he uh Blumeyer says, the removal of objective truth will always lead to one becoming a slave to fashion. Wow. You know? And, wow. and that, yeah, wow. A slave to fashion. So you're always a slave to the fashionable. And by the fashionable, I just I love it because he connects it to the crowd. You know, I love like like so I always like I always love to read Kierkegaard, you know, so I love, I love Oh, me too. Oh man, I, I I love it. So and he always talks about the crowd and I love when he talks about the crowd and, and how um you know, the crowd is a place for, for the average person to just kind of get lost, hey, right? Remember, the gate's narrow. The gate is narrow. If you're with the few, you're probably in the right place. He talks about uh, Blue Myers in the book. He uh, he says, and I, I just I could talk about this for hours. He says, authority yeah. has given way to popularity. Okay, so, ooh. Uh, ooh, I know. Authority versus popularity, right? Now, you cannot live in 2022 and not know the objective truth of that statement. Right. You can't. No, I mean, who likes authority? Uh, Nobody. Authority versus the versus popularity. I mean, look. So you can uh, um, you can look over here. Okay, so for example, uh, th- let's take a current event. So uh, a current event would be um, uh, the 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 prisoner exchange. You you've heard about this? I I haven't. Right, I, my current Griner. events are probably running about three four days behind yours right now. Okay, so no <laughs> Griner, the WNBA star. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right in Russia. Yep. So she went there to play for Russia. I think is what she wasn't making enough money in the WNBA, so she went to Russia to make more money. Took I, a little wacky tobacco with her. Yeah, she did, and she took some. I think some marijuana there with her. Yeah. And um, then she got busted for the marijuana, and they put her in jail. Yeah, no left-handed cigarettes over there. That's not allowed. Okay, so they uh, so they ended up that was her situation. And now they traded this guy, this guy called him the merchant of death. 
Oh, right? great. I guess. Right. Oh, perfect. Well, well, I don't know if... Well, yeah, guess. But see, he was competing with Raytheon. That's why they didn't like him, you know? So I guess, you know, he was cutting, in, he was cutting into Raytheon's profits. You oh, know, my which, goodness. Which is a huge, which a huge no-no. You cannot do that in these or, days. Or BAE Systems or Northrop there Grumman. Go. There you go. Those guys got accountants, man. And those accountants, they don't sit around and take naps all day. Like, they got computers and they keep track of stuff. And then you can't, like, go around selling arms and cutting into their profits. I mean, it's just not done. Oh, they they got computers and trench coats and creepy tunnels <laughs> right. they meet in at night. There you go, right? <laughs> so he was cutting into Raytheon's profits, so that was a problem. So they, right. they got they took him, threw him in jail. Mm-hmm. So they um uh and so they you know and that's actually a great point because in the other podcast, if you've been following us, we were talking about that in the paper how the rapist it the rapist violates the rule of law and goes to jail, but the yep. bank robber ends up on the first page. Yeah, right. So like you know, is it you know do we want to be selling rockets and 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 guns to people? Well, obviously, I think that that's a bad thing, but you got to look at it. You say, okay, well, this guy is put up. They call him the Merchant of Death. Okay, this guy's main problem, our main problem with this guy, we got people that do what this guy did. They do it a thousand times better than they, So what are they? they? They're like the collective merchants of death. They're like the secret society fraternity of death. I mean, what are they? <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, this guy's just with the merchant. He's just one guy. Like Raytheon is like a thousand guys. No joke. Right? So like, so you got to look at that. So we say this guy's the merchant of death, right? Like, I mean, hey, Peter Ducey, love him, right? But he says, hey, we got a guy named the merchant of death. And, you know, what are we getting for this guy? You know, like, dude, we got like a whole, we got a whole wing of our government, which is like 10 million merchants of death. This is why we're trying to go from ignorance to knowledge. There you go. Right? It's That's a bumpy road, my friend. It is, man. It's a bumpy road on the Blunderground Railroad. Mm. And so we have, so authority is giving way to popularity. So we got a Marine over there, right? Yeah. And and, and we, so it's a Marine. He's been over there and we want to get the Marine out, right? So what are we going to do? Are we going to take the Marine or are we going to take the WNBA star? Authority. So, which one? And remember, Biden is the a supreme commander of the armed forces. The only power he has, right? The president's the only yeah, real, the they, only real power a president has is the power of the military. So he's the number one guy, which is kind of scary. <laughs> right? <laughs> Pretty scary there. So you got. So is he going to take the military guy whom he's responsible for because that's his only real power in the world, or is he going to take the WNBA star who's popular? Yeah. Right. Popular with the liberal left, yeah, so right? I don't he think takes it, that. right? That's a silly question. And then we have this: we have quality versus quantity. Okay, quality versus quantity. So you got a marine, okay? That's quality because he's a marine and he's put in the time and effort, and he uh, he was arrested for treason. Mm-hmm. And then you have quantity. When I say quantity, I'm talking about quantity of television appearances, quantity of of uh, photo ops. Okay, quantity of newspaper article opportunities. All right, yep. Qu- quantity of narrative establishment. Popularity. When they look at Griner, they say, "Hey, shit's popular, and we can get a lot out of this. We can really make this go for a long time." And he's just a guy, right? Yeah, but the Marine, you see, the Marine is probably they, they could parade him around for six months, and probably people are going to end up tuning out after a while. No one's going to know his name, right? No one's going to know his name. I'm not actually. I'm not sure <clears> his I, name is, but oh, I should. Wow, nice job. I should. Yeah. A hypocrite over there. <laughs> well, no, yeah, yeah. That's it. Well, I don't know if it's a hypocrite, just not being prepared. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and also, too, value. This was a big one for me value versus magnitude. Hmm. Right? He talks about value and magnitude. Okay. So, objective value versus magnitude. So, by magnitude, we just mean shock and awe, right? Like, so the, 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 the best voices are not the, the, 
the most knowledgeable voices. They're the ones that get the most attention. Yep. So value versus magnitude. So on, and, and we saw this. This is actually done. Uh, the White House press secretary uh, did this, and um, uh, Randy Watkins said she did it too. The 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 um the Not school uh, school union the school union group woman did this, okay. but the um the Biden White House spokeswoman did this. She said uh, the magnitude. She said the reason that that the Griner was released. She said had a lot to do with the fact that she's a lesbian. Oh, yeah. And that she's black, and she's a woman, and that she's a hero to a lot of marginalized communities. Now, listen. Had a lot to do with. Okay. Only reason. Right. Don't get upset at me for saying it. I said it, but she said it. For, that's what she says. That's not what I say. That's what she says, okay? Yeah. And uh, uh, the um, uh, and uh, the Biden has a lot of officials there, the uh, the, the education, the uh, the union president. She said the same thing, and she said, and, and, and this is the thing, okay, is what they do is they say, they say, remember back in the 90s when uh, we, uh, the, a lot of people were coming out, and it was a lot of people were coming out of the closet, and that was just barely new. Given my birthday, and, not as well as you, but yes. Okay, so at the beginning, what would happen is people would say, well, you know, if I come out as gay, then you're going to want to put me in a camp. And people would go, of course we're not going to put you in a camp, okay? We just want, listen, and then they would go on to make their point. Yeah. Well, this has now flipped around 180 degrees, okay? This now 180, around. the compass has maybe landed at 180. This thing yeah. has spun like a top. Right, this thing has now, yeah. <laughs> so now yeah. what it is is people like her, okay, they say, of course we want to save the Marine, but there are so many marginalized communities oh, who will be inspired. See, they say magnitude. So when you can get out and you can say, you know, it's so heroic. Can you imagine this? This, this woman's going to go on the View, and the they're going to say they're going to say to them, she's going to go on there. You wait, and we'll play the clip when it happens. And then she's going to say they're going to say, as a lesbian, what was it like to be a prisoner of war? Yeah, not as a that's per- going to happen. Oh yeah, not as not as a person. Yeah, they're going to accentuate that. And remember this word when you were describing it, this word came to me. Yeah. Remember when people were coming out, and, and honestly now I think brave and hero. Yes. Those words were used to describe them people. Right. But a Marine? We don't ascribe yeah. that anymore? Right. No, that's right. And Are they you don't kidding say, me? Yeah. And they don't say, and you know, they don't, we don't even get the, um, they don't even give the speech. They don't even give the rhetorical attaboy. No. They don't come out and say, well, to all of our brave servicemen who are concerned about our Marines who are over in Russia as POWs, you need to know that we think they're brave, we think they're wonderful, and we are going to work tirelessly. They don't even bother anymore. Because they're not profitable. Right. In today's and, society. Yeah. And this is, and again, we're kind of bleeding over here. And this I know. Is a yeah. little bit. But, you know, here, 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 okay. You know, if you need to know how bad it is out there, okay, think about how much of the news that you get from not hearing versus hearing. Yeah. Okay? So if you're a young person out there, there was a time when you could listen to what people said and they were trying to signal to you the way that the world worked. And now, and this is a big problem even with guys, okay, because this is one of the reasons that guys check out because they, 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 when they come to understand this— the way that the world works, you primarily that information is primarily gained through nonverbal communication. It's usually gained by what they don't tell you versus what they tell you. So, for example, um, I'm talking assumptions. Yeah, in a way, like based uh, off of what people see. Yeah, this is a good. Uh, uh, the the whole prisoner exchange is a good example of this. So, for example, we have two teachers 
Oh, you're talking signaling. Yeah, I'm talking uh, signaling. Yeah, okay, I'm go talking ahead. signaling. Okay, so go ahead. So we have we have in Russia we have one marine and two teachers who are currently being uh, who are currently being held. Uh, the, the teachers, I'm not sure. One of them is a marijuana charge, just like Griner. Yeah. And um, the other one, I'm not sure about. I I'm, I don't know. But there's at least two teachers and one marine that are uh, that are currently imprisoned in Russia that okay. Biden left behind. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so. They don't, and so they come out and they say, "Well, hey, we know we we can only save one person, and it was important to save Griner because she's a female, she's an athlete, she's a lesbian, and she's a black person, and she's a woman, and so these are all good reasons of why she was chosen." And so, and so, what what they don't say is what people hear. So people gain, say people say, "Well, how does the world work?" Right? People go, "Okay, the world works is if I'm not black, if I'm not." If I'm not uh, of an alter of an alternate sexuality, if I'm not a woman, and if I'm not if I don't have some sort of signaler to be popular, if I don't have some sort of social signaler that signals to other people non-verbally that I'm important, yeah. right? Like being an athlete, yeah. right? So if I don't have those things, then nope, that's exactly it, man. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean that's that's the signal. That's what we're talking to. Right. That well, I don't even think we've gotten there in boy crisis yet, so I don't know if we should go there. But right. I'm gonna go there. Like, what men want in women, what we signal what we want in a woman, what society signals what we want in a woman, that's what you're going to get. That's why you don't have the housewife anymore who wants to be that. That's why you have the mom that wants to be the CEO and like, Dad, stay home and take care of the kids. That's why that's where we are. That's what you're telling women we want. So that's what they're becoming. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, man, you're right on You're right on signaling. And you can take this right back to the, the Christian mind. It's the exact same thing. Yep. We're signaling the wrong things to the world. You know? Yeah. Yep. He, he says, there are those in the pulpit who, instead of asking, what is the teaching of the church on this point, ask, what to do, well, what are we supposed to do uh, with the latest modern theologians? What do they have to say about this point? Like, right. Like seriously, like who cares what the modern theologians think? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. Well, he talked of two of that was in the other chapter. I think it was on good versus evil. Yeah. Where remember the old woman who was a uh, was poor and right. she woke up a saint. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then theologian wakes up and then he sees his whole life as yeah. being self centered completely. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the sum total of this whole chapter. Boy, no, I really do. I really do. So usually, and, and this is it too. Remember, Blumeyer's makes a great point here. The person who has the greatest sense of objective truth isn't the loudest person in the crowd. Never. Right? Like, yeah. Right. Like never. <laughs> because you just used the word objective. Uh, r- right. Yeah. Because they, they're essentially saying my truth or nothing else. They're not leaving room for everybody to be all DEI. Well, everything. I hate using your phrase. I, I know. I know. It's true. <laughs> See, everything makes sense. There's always that strict sense of hierarchy, right? Like yeah. you always, you know, like if you go into a, um, you know, like if I go onto a military base, right? There's a, If I go onto a military base, there's a strict hierarchy there. And so I may have all sorts of ideas. About you know, how I want things to happen. You've never been in the military, but we have signaled to you that that is absolutely true. And I'll tell you what, sir, you are correct. Yeah. There you <laughs> See, go. Right there you go. Signaling right? works. Yep, there you go. Signaling works as you signal to me. It's correct. Yep. So I have certain notions about how I'd like uh, an experience to go, okay? But if I'm on a military base, all those just go flying out the window because I know that the hierarchy is going to be is, is the truth there, and it doesn't matter what I think, and so it's pointless to, to think it. My friend, your name doesn't even matter if you're in uniform. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. right. 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 Okay. <laughs> right. So you got a strict hierarchy there, and so it's just... It 
doesn't make it. It doesn't matter in the home, right? So if you go back into a say, for example, if you're in a traditional atmosphere, you go into the home, and then if like between two Christian families, right? There's yeah. a hierarchy there. There's God, there's Dad, and then there's Mom, there's the kids, right? So if if uh, so, you go into somebody's home, and then y- you're not gonna, you know, certain ways to act. Yep. Yeah, and and it's it makes you very calm. You can go visit someone's home, and you can be calm, and you can be measured. Well, let's say for example that you go to a, uh, like say you go to a, 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 let's switch the scene, and now you're at like a college party, right? Where it's a bunch of college freshmen, and then no one knows anyone else, and everyone's from all over the country, and then you're at a like a college, not a Christian college, so. I mean, there's really no rules, and everybody can do what they want. And then when you show up, you know, you show up, what are you going to get? Loud. It's going to be loud. Chaos. It's going to be chaos. Everyone's going to be talking at the same time. Everyone's going to be loud. And eventually, it's going to be like, ooh, and then Think, all things, sorts of stuff. Things that on. you don't appreciate at a certain age, that's what you're going to get. Right. Yeah. Well, that's true. But, you know, it's always the loudest voices, right? You get yes, the loud it is. voices. Yes, it is. Yeah. And those are the ones that they have to be loud because of magnitude. Magnitude versus value. Right. And they right. want they, they want to be, you know, if they can if they can make the most splash, they can say the, the most outrageous thing, then that is what gets them, you know, the, the notoriety. That's right. Yeah. And so, you know, secularism is heavily biased towards individualism and subjectivism and something that Blumeyer's calls Adam, Adam, atomistic intellectualism. OK, atomistic. Now. Atomism is something I actually had to look up. Um, okay, was, good because I was like, uh, right? What? <laughs> yeah, no, I because I I because I, I had heard the term before, and I I mean I think I'd worked with it, but I I I kept trying to define it for myself, and I eventually I said, you know, I don't really know. I I got to look this up, and it was very interesting, and, and so, um, and I did. I'm glad that I did. So, because it explains a lot, like with today, right? Atomism is A T O M, like the atom, right? Like split the atom. Okay. It, it is. I the, had enough acronyms in the military. I'm not. I don't mean to interrupt your thoughts, so don't <laughs> lose it, please. But I had enough acronyms in the military, so <laughs> you're <laughs> killing me over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So atomism, like split the atom, is the belief that society is made up of atoms, or an atom is supposed to be an individual human being. Okay, an individual. Each individual is self-interested, equal, and rational. All right. So the, each one has those three things. Each one, you can look at any person and you can say, well, that each person now, maybe the person doesn't realize that they should be that way, but each person is interested in mostly themselves and their own individual interest. They're equal to one another and they're rational. So a society is nothing more than the combination of all of these individuals into one whole, right? Like into one whole. So effectively, you're seeing that. So you're saying that they are equal. They're equal to each other. But remember, not equal to each other as sinners who have fallen short of a holy God. Yeah, they're not going to say that far. Um, okay. So on that point. Yeah. This is where we get it mixed, okay? And look, Satan being a deceiver, he's not hes not stupid either, okay? Mm. He's a fallen angel. He's a very powerful being. He yeah. can work his way into anything. Mm. So if you think deception is going to look like somebody standing in a pulpit and just being like, you know what? God isn't real. Worship Satan. That would be pretty obvious. Deception is going to be much slyer than that. We're going to sneak a little of the truth in with a little falsehood. 
And the individual part here, okay? Yeah. Some of the individualistic stuff is absolutely not biblical, where where the secularist takes it, where, well, that's your belief, or, you know, you're, you know, God is for you, that religion is for you. I've heard Christianity's, you know, what you believe, that's, right. that's good for you. I've heard that so many times. Right. Well, actually, that's not true. Yeah. However, the yeah. individual, there, there is individualism in Christianity. One, we are, yes, we are all members of the same body, but we are different parts. We're given different gifts. That's biblical truth. Mm. The other biblical truth to individualism is our relationship with Christ. You have your own individual liberty. You have your own individual relationship with Christ. Amen. So those truths get mixed with the well, everyone's an individual, and my beliefs are important, and then somehow that ends up like outweighing God's opinion on things because of the other two truths that are individual. So we have to be careful when we say, you know, it's objective truth, and it's this way, and because and, we can't exclude the parts of individualism of Christianity that are biblical truth. We have to make sure those are included while excluding the parts that aren't. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Uh, I, I like, I, I think so. I, I like the way that Blumeyer, because, and I think this is going back to the last chapter, I believe. Um, the uh, Blumeyer's, the way that he, point, that he he places it is he says, remember he talks about the chief sin of man being pride? Yeah. And then, uh, and then the, um, uh, the the chief the goal of man is is uh, is the chief virtue should be obedience, right? As Christ learned obedience right. as a son. Yeah, right. Yes. That's exactly right. So, like our sin is pride, and then our goal is to be obedient. It's what we're trying to accomplish. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, in this chapter, he brings along this concept of uh, of mastery mm-hmm. because uh, and and this is again it, it's it goes back to it goes to your comment about individualism and, and individualism and Christianity. But it also brings in that concept of original sin. Yeah, right. Because right. yeah, because Christians are trying to master, right? They're mastering themselves, yes. but not just to master themselves so that they can do better. You know, it's not that they can. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in the next podcast too. Yeah, but there's, there's a woman the, that talks yeah. about making herself a better chap. So, oh yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the um yep. the uh, it it so. Uh, we're trying to master that process of being obedient, and that is a process of mastery over yourself, yes. a mastery over your role, right? right? God has a certain part for you in the body, and then you're trying to master not for yourself, but for him and his glory. And so you're doing your best to master that. But it's interesting, like Blumeyers talks about as a coin, right? He says like mastery is like a coin. There's like a good side to mastery and then there's like a bad side to mastery. Right. Because he says basically, he says the positive side to mastery is the part where an individual brings in the natural order in service to human needs. So, you know, for example, if, if, if God gives you a gift of, you know, cutting down trees, then you're going to master and become the best tree cutter in town. Sure. And so every, you know, so the whole concept of cutting down a tree is now a godly concept in that context. Right. Okay. So, but the opposite side of that coin, and again, he points to the crowd or he, as he calls it, the formulation of a mass mind with mass needs. Okay. Right. So basically, is is okay. People. All right. So he talks about people's demands. Okay. So he says he talks about 
food stat food standards and status and these are three things that he mentions in the book so the first one is is food and enjoyment so traditionally food had to be mastered in order to be enjoyed so anybody could eat basic food but if you wanted to have food that was a delight to the senses, you had to go to a restaurant, you had to learn, how, you had to have someone, a friend who was exceptionally talented, or you had to work really hard to master the art of cooking and knowing the spices and knowing the combinations. And then people that were in your orbit could benefit because your food was a delight to the senses. But now in our modern age, we have mass minds with mass needs. So now all food, you got to be able to go down to the grocery store, go to the frozen food aisle you got to be able to pay $2.99 for a frozen dinner throw it in the microwave and then in two minutes it comes out and it is I mean it is delicious I mean you got the filet and everything's uh, it tastes wonderful and the did you just talk about microwave and a filet uh, well, no, I mean, I, I was well, trying to okay, stay yeah. with your examples until you right, lost me there. Right, all right, right. Sorry. So you get the <laughs> you got the little slice there, and it's 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 very good, right? And the spices are all great, and it's perfect. And so then he talks about standards, right? Yep. So standards that are easily reached, and in this, he actually because this is 1961, and he's taught he's he's in academia as a teacher, so he's talking about these exams. He's like, well, you know, we give exams, and then when the students do bad, people. People now tell us that we're the problem, that it's the problem isn't the student, it's the test. So the issue with atomism is that it's infected the university system. All right. And so through the university system, it's entered into our families, it's entered into our discourse. And Blumeyer's actually says it's destroying philosophy itself. <laughs> That's bold. Right. Very bold. Yeah. <laughs> Very bold. And it, it really didn't connect for me until he 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 talks about how it it disconnects people from objective truth mm. and once he said that it really started to come together for me and, and i so effectively he says that atomism treats all human study and all human experience as basically unrelated compartments so they're all like silos right so in in atomism Everyone is like that. It's like the hyper-individuality, okay? Yeah. I think that's what we call it these days. Everything is in its own silo, and everything's unrelated. So you can say, well, let's look at the employment figures, right? Yeah. No, not really. You have to look at other figures as well because they all affect one another. And yeah, they all bleed everything's, together. yeah, everything's combined. Yeah. yeah, it's all combined. And so what ends up happening is, when things combine like that and you're looking at the relationship between these things, it begets an objective truth. Because how do you – like Bill Myers talked about beauty before, right? Like great literature starts with objective beauty and then and objective behaviors, and it shows you the contrast, and that's where the great literature is found. That's where it's made. But and here we have an objective truth, and then you can look at the human experience – as based on that objective truth. Right. But atomization just looks at it as completely unrelated. And so, therefore, it really distances people from that awareness. People become unaware that objective truth is a thing. Effectively, they become over-reliant on their own personal biases and the collective opinion of the masses or the crowd. Yeah. Yep, yep. And then... 
pretty much he he kind of wraps it when he says you know the idea that this is all gonna happen and he's like he keeps saying from 61 he's like predicting yeah. this yeah i know he's, he's predicting like, it yeah. yeah he pretty much says yeah it's uh gonna be it's pretty painful to think about but uh it's also not too outrageous to be mentioned so we should probably start talking about it <laughs> yeah um, and i'll tell you what man they were talked about it again in the early 80s and they talked about it and then you know and it's interesting because a lot of the discourse um in the 90s really treated this like no one had ever seen like no one had been talking about this you know like in the 90s people were like oh postmodernism and it's all really bad and this is all new like man no like Blumeyer's is screaming about it here in 1961 yeah well that's because as Americans we have a short memory Woo. you know man yeah I'll tell you yeah. you know and that's one thing Blumeyer's at the end he calls it and what a show what a, what a, what a writer he is he calls it the dismemberment of man yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, the dismemberment of man. And really it goes back to that power dynamics. I mean, when you when you make an idol out of rationality and everything gets defined and everything and it becomes, you know, like think of it this way, right? Like if you're a scientist and you can drill down and into the scientific components of every single flower that you see in a field so that you know every genome of every flower in the field, then do you really have beauty? Or do you just have a bunch of genomes and you can say what you want about all the different uh, parts of the flower, about how one might be superior to another given some other thing. But, you know, to say, well, that flower's pretty, yeah. right? Like you can say it all you want because it's personal preference, but you can't objectively say, well, those are beautiful flowers, right? Because you don't have this concept. It's an objective concept. You do have a, per a concept of personal preference, but you don't have a concept of the objective. There's no such thing as an objective beauty. No. Right? And so... You're viewing it through a whole different lens. Yeah, right. And, and, and that's right. You're, you're viewing it through a whole different lens. And so... Um, you know, it's like, a, uh, you know, the, the lilies that Jesus talks about, you know, like when, mm -hmm. like when, when, a when you become saved, you're like a fly, like, I love it. So you can put a flower into a pile of horse manure and if it's a beautiful flower, it's still beautiful. Right. Right. Like it doesn't cease to become beautiful because you put the flower into a pile of horse manure. Yeah. Like it's still beautiful. And so uh, that's a great illustration of Christians in the world. You know, we were saved. We were set apart for God. We're still in this world. We're still in this big pile of manure, but we're still, we're still saved. We're still beautiful. And so here, you have, this is the dismemberment of man. So just like those flowers get dismembered, the humans, man himself becomes dismembered. And it all becomes about power dynamics. And we distance ourselves and forget about the objective standard, the objective standard of truth. Yeah, I th I start thinking about the, you know, all of us being of one body, you know, yeah. and uh, how the Apostle Paul talked about um, essentially what was the seeds of denominationalism when he was mm. preaching against people dividing the church. And, you know, he talks about the uncomely members and whatnot. You know, we need even those and stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah. that's because if you're. If you're a Christian, you just you cannot unsee things through a Christian lens. Yeah, no, that's right. So. And it's been really helpful these chapters. Move at chapter uh, part two, and now is the formulation of a Christian mind. Thank you for joining us today uh, for chapter number three, the Christian mind's conception of truth. We are excited to continue in this book, and we get to do Schlossberg afterward, which I'm very excited. Ah. About. <laughs> so very good. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you next time. 
Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time 